Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9. And as you turn there, let's pray and ask God to be with us here the next moment. Father, Lord, we can't stand on our own two feet. Apart from you, we are nothing. And so, God, I pray just the next few moments, God, it's not about Heath Harris. It's not about Sanctuary Family Worship Center. God, we're here because we know every time we open the Word of God, it changes us. Even if we've already read the passage again and again, Lord, every time we hear the same message, God, it changes us. Because, Lord, You are alive, You are living, You are sharper than any two-edged sword. So, Lord, today, give us an awakening to who You are and who we are in Christ. God, let's speak through these next few moments. Lord, that our ears would be attentive to you, Lord, and our hearts would be willing to be molded and shaped. And Lord, as our feet leave this place, we'd leave differently. And somebody said, Amen. 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 I want to talk to you about, for God's sake, for God's sake, Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9, and we'll jump into verse 17. Just hold that right there. But for God's sake, part of our Jesus Saves series, as we go through the promises of God in Isaiah, and I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, Listen up. All right, good. Turn to your neighbor and say, listen up. Uh, if, how many people have ever had uh, to tell their kids, if you would just listen, anybody parents said this phrase before, if you would just listen, or wives, maybe you've had to tell your husbands this before. If you would just listen, right? My wife raises her hand in the front row. We're going to delete that from the editing of the video. But uh, if you would just listen. You know, oftentimes, even if we know something, we're not always the good listeners. And I want to talk to you about listening to God and what God is willing to do with you, even despite the consequences, God is compassionate. So, uh, short story is that this year, uh, with the COVID and the, the, the home church and stuff, we got to go a few times to my godparents' house, and they have an in-ground pool. And so my kids got to go to grandma's house. I got to swim a little bit with them a lot more this year. So uh, Ari was always timid with the water a little bit. And so finally Ari's getting to swim. Ari's about to be seven. But Adelie, she's three. So my parents learned really fast that Adelie will do anything uh, in the water. She's not scared of it at all. Three years old, they put a life vest on her, and she's jumping off the diving board in the 10-foot section, and she's doing back cannonballs and running in and jumping in. And so they had to, we had to tell her, you say, hey, look, you need to listen to these rules. Number one, you have to have your life vest. Number two, no running around the edges. Number three, don't jump in unless an adult uh, is here to be with you. And how many people know three-year-olds listen very well? Right? Uh, so, so they learned real quick that they had to keep an eye on her. And so I got to go once, and so we were doing the, the jumping in. She's like, no, I can do it. I can swim. I know how to swim. I can make it to you. And so I'm standing about 10 feet into the water, and so she jumps, and she makes it. And I said, okay, I'm not going to, you told me I can't help you. I'm not going to help you. You've got to make it to me. And so that little head is going, and it's going, and finally there's a little arm, and there's a little gurgle, and being the loving, compassionate father, I waited just a little bit longer, and then I grabbed her, right? Because I wanted to show her that without me, you're going to sink. You know what I'm saying this morning? Without me, you're not going to make it. Sometimes we can think we can jump into the deep end of the pool, but without God, we just sink. 
Sometimes we try to listen and we say, okay, I got it. But then we like to do life our own way. But how many people know that God is a compassionate father that no matter if our children like us are listening to us, if that's my child, I'm jumping in the pool. Are you with me this morning? That even if my child wasn't listening and even if she's been bad all day long and even if I've had to give her a few spankings or something and she didn't listen and she ignored my advice, because she's my child, I'll save her. That is just like our heavenly father. And why do you do this? Why do you do this? Is it because your child is good? No. It's because you are a good parent. And it's for your namesake that you wouldn't want everyone saying, that person let their own kids drown. Wouldn't that be something? No, it's because of your name. You're a good parent. You're a good mom. You're a good dad. You're a good grandparent. Because of you, who you are, you will save the drowning child. And our father is a good father. And he saves us not because we're always good or we always listen, but because he's good. And it's for his namesake. Somebody say amen. For God's sake. Remember that Psalms in Psalms 23? It says, He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness because I deserve it. No, it says, He guides me in paths of righteousness. Why? For His namesake. It's because He's good. But sometimes, just like that little three-year-old, we can be a little bit self-confident. You know, in our life, sometimes we want to be in control. We get impatient with His authority. We like to do life our own way. Maybe we take other people's advice for our lives before we ever go to the Word or to God. We think, well, what do you want to, what, what do you think I should do in this situation? We go to our friends, we go to our family. Should I get this job? Should I date that person? Should I do this? What do you think I should do when I'm in this problem in my marriage? And you begin to take our sister's advice or our mom and dad's advice or my uncle's advice or, well, should I invest this money in here? Do you think this would be a good job? And we do all, we take all this other advice in. We listen to what books say and the news says and the economy says and we don't take a moment just to listen. And today I want to talk about for God's sake, listen. Listen. It's for His sake He leads us in paths of righteousness. Sometimes we, though, fall prey to the consequences of our own condition. So I want you to just take a moment and sit on God's couch just for a little bit. I want you to ask you a few questions and see if you can check anything like this off. Would you say that right now your life is profiting? Would you say that you're living in victory or defeat? Do you say that you're living in any pain of regrets? Do you have regrets that are still crashing over you? Do you think, do you, or would you say that you have waves of the refreshing presence of the Holy Spirit? And do you want restoration? I want to talk to you about a God that for His glory and our good is always compassionate to our condition. He's always compassionate. He will rescue us out of the consequences we often get ourselves in because He's that compassionate. How many people know a God like that? Amen. Look at me in Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17. He gives compassion out of consequence. Isaiah chapter 48, let's go up to verse 9. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9, and then verse 17. Let me give you the background as you got turned there. Isaiah is speaking to a people who are captive by the nation of Babylon, a world, evil world power. 
And Isaiah is speaking to this divided kingdom uh, of Israel who had been this seeking God of, of in their lips, but not with their lives. They were giving God lip service. And the Bible says that they were praising God with their lips, but their hearts were far from Him. And they began to credit all the good things in their life to the works of their own hands. They'd credit to idols. They'd credit to their alliances with other nations. They'd credit it to their own financial schemes and understanding. They'd credit it to their own goodness. And they would praise God on one day, but really live like they were praising themselves on the other day. And that began to live like this for some time. And even though God began to woo them back to himself, they still kept jumping in to the deep end of the pool. They still kept taking off the life jacket and wanting to do life their own way, thinking they could make it apart from God. And so God warned them. And they went into exile. He says, I've allowed exile to refine you, to bring out those things that you think you can do, to bring you back to me. And look what he says in Isaiah 48, verse 9, to a people who began trusting in themselves too much. He says, for the sake of my name, I delay my wrath, and for my praise, I restrain it for you in order not to cut you off. He's saying, I sent you into exile, really, for my namesake. I've allowed problems to come into your life, not to destroy you, but ultimately to save you. It's like that moment where I let Adelaide just get to the moment where she kind of got a little panicky, and then I jumped in. So she'd have that little fear of, like, don't jump in the pool without Dad. And God says, for my namesake, I've allowed this in your life, for I have restrained my wrath from you, not to cut you off. And look what he says in verse 17. He says, you've had consequences come in your life, consequences you've deserved, consequences that you've put on your own self. But he says, but I have compassion. Look what he says in verse 17. Thus saith the Lord, your Redeemer. Look what he calls himself from the very beginning. I am your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you to profit, who leads you in the way you should go. If only, there's that word, if only you had paid attention. If only you'd, only you'd listened to my commandments, then what would have happened? He says, your well-being would have been like a river and your righteousness like the waves of the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sand and your offspring like its grains. And their names would have never been cut off or destroyed destroyed her from my presence. But go forth from Babylon. Flee from the Chaldeans. That's the same as Babylonians. Declare the sound of joyful shouting. Proclaim this. Send it out to the earth. Say, the Lord has redeemed his servant Jacob. They did not thirst when he led them through the desert. He made water flow out of the rocks for them. He split the rock and water gushed out. And therefore there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. Somebody say amen. Okay, what does that mean? I'm going to give you three words. Consequences. Consequences, compassion, and confession. Consequences, compassion, and confession. He says, for my name's sake, I've allowed consequences. Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 4, if you remember the story, he tells Israel, he says, before we get on this journey, I want you to listen. Listen, listen, listen. Listen to me. He said, if we go in this land... And we try to do things our own way. He says, if we turn to other gods, God is going to scatter us across the nation. He's going to allow those to people to take over our life. And Joshua gets them in the land, and Joshua says the same thing. In Joshua 24, 20, he says, if you abandon the Lord and you go serve other gods, he'll turn against you and destroy you, even though he's always been so good to you. Why? Because God can't bless willful disobedience. Why? He's not going to share his glory. He tells Moses, Moses, I'm not going to share my glory with man's effort. 
I'm not going to share my glory with idols. Why? Because you might go into that, and if I always rescue you out of all the things you get yourself into, you'll never learn you can't do it without me. Right? It's like my little girl, she thinks she can swim at three years old in the 10-foot section of a pool. And if I let her think she can do that, guess what? She might try to do it without me. And God's the same way. He allows consequences, but He's compassionate. He's compassionate. He says, it's for my namesake. I'll not share my glory with your own self-effort. I'll let you bear the consequences, but when you cry out to me, I'll be there. Look at three. I'm going to give you three things that he, he let them bear the consequences of in the nation of Israel. Number one, he says it was a religious spirit. He says your lives did not match your lips. That means like this. You can come into church and you can say you're a Christian on Sunday, but then you can live not like a Christian on Monday, Tuesday, all the way through Saturday again. He says you, you say one thing. And you say you're my child, and you say you want to obey me, but you do the other. I know that every single person in this room, we are all guilty of this. From the earliest age, even though my children know me and love me, and I love them, and I tell them the right thing, he says, if you listen to me, it'll go really good with you. If you do what I say, but how many people know we're prone to wander? We're prone to go away with something inside of us. There's something even from the age of a young person, a toddler. They just like to do life their own way. How many parents say amen? You know it. And that should help you understand how you are with God. That we are all this way. There is no one who is absent from this. We all try to say that we're more than we are. And we don't do what Jesus says. And the Bible says that God hates hypocrisy. He says to them, because your life didn't match your lips, I'll let you go to exile. Number two, he says, it's resistance. He says, you have iron necks and brass foreheads. Anybody ever told you you're hard-headed before? God takes it to a new level. He says, your head's like brass, bro. It's not even like a brick wall. It's like you are so hard-headed. Man, I've never seen anybody more hard-headed than you. He says, your iron is, your necks are like iron. Your brass, your head, foreheads are like brass. And that means we can come into church every single week. We can read our Bible over and over and over again and never allow it to change us. How many sermons, friend, have you heard in your life? How many devotionals have you read? How many Christian books have you read? How many people have given you godly advice? And you've ever given somebody godly advice and it's just like, what did you ask me for, right? You ever had a, a person like that? You try to give your kids advice or somebody comes to you and says, hey, and they say, hey, what should I do in this situation? And you tell them, okay, I think this is a good idea. Yeah, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, I'll go try it this way, right? How many people know what I'm talking about? Man, you got somebody like that, it's like, man, why are you so hard-headed? Why don't you just do what you asked for me? Psalms 81, God says, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would quickly subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their adversary. You see, God always wants to work on our behalf. Isn't that so good? He always wants to work on our behalf. He says, but if you would just listen to me. Third thing he says, he says, it's been a rebellious attitude. How many people know little kids can be rebellious? Man, he says, it's been a rebellious attitude. He says, even after I've rescued you, you keep going back to your own way. It's like this circular behavior. Man, even Paul says in Romans 7, he's like, God, I, I know what I want to do, and I do the opposite anyway. 
What is going to happen? What's happening in me? What is this flesh is rising up in me that, man, I want to do the right things, but man, I just keep going back to the same old thing over and over and over again. He says, guys, this, you've got to get out of this rebellious attitude. Romans chapter 2 says, don't you understand? Don't you, do you think lightly of the riches of his kindness and the tolerance and his patience? Don't you know that the kindness of God leads you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant hearts, you're storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God who's going to come one day and render to each person according to his deeds. Sometimes God allows consequences because he wants to show you his glory. He wants to show you his compassion. And he wants you to get to the place in your life where you realize, man, I don't have peace doing things my own way. I want, to learn, I want my life to learn. It says, Heath Harris, remember, remember, bro, every single time you try to think your own thoughts and feel your own feelings and trust in your own knowledge and just kind of do your life your own way, it's never worked out before. Have you learned this lesson yet? Heath, man, don't you understand that there's never real peace in your soul when you try to swim it alone. There's never any peace in your soul. So the more we live our own way, God wants you to know that the less peace you're going to have unless you learn to listen. But don't you know that God doesn't leave it there? God doesn't leave it at, I told you so. You ever had someone come up to you and, and you felt that, man, you had a bad day and, and, and it wasn't going well for you and all they said was, well, I told you right? Doesn't it make you just feel good, right? Told you so. No, God doesn't leave it at I told you so. He says, I have compassion despite your condition. Look at the next part. For God's name's sake, he is compassion. Everybody say compassion. Amen. Compassion. In the very next verse in Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 31, when God, Moses says, guys, if you go after these other things, you start trusting your own self, you try to jump in that deep end of the pool without that life jacket, and you keep on it, and you keep on it, there's coming a day. God might let you sink a little bit. He might let you go into exile. He might let you fall prey to your own condition. The consequences. Man, he might let you sink. But he says, but, verse 31, but the Lord your God is a compassionate God. And he will not fail you nor destroy you or forget the covenant which your fathers he sworn to them. He doesn't leave us with I told you so. He says, when you cry out to me, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. Man, then you're in the deep end of the pool and you fall prey and you haven't listened to God and you've taken off the life jacket and you think I can do this life my own way. I can make it. I don't need anybody to help me. My feelings are more than the feelings what the word says. My facts that I I know are more than what the word says I got this and you begin to sink and the bubbles in the air and it's dark at the bottom and all you do is get out a scream and you say Jesus God left heaven from uh, his a throne and abode he came down to a sin cursed world he became our lifesaver he became our redeemer and that's what uh, the uh, uh, prophet Isaiah says he says God raised up a redeemer Isaiah 46 verse 18 he sent a deliverer to send to us, we say, God, I'm sinking. It's dark all around me. God, I need you. That's all it takes. Even though you don't deserve it, even though you got yourself into this mess, how many know that's how good God is? That's how good God is. Look what he says in these verses. 
He says that He teaches us to prosper. That's what He wants for you. He wants to lead us in the way to, that prospers us. He teaches us to prosper by His Holy Spirit. He wants you to have peace like a river. He says, I want you to have my righteousness crashing over you like the waves of the seashore. Man, I want the Holy Spirit to just be in your life where you can experience His refreshing every day, where you know the way to go and it's lit up for you. He says, that's why I sent Jesus. Jesus comes down to earth he becomes the Moses that we all needed, that we were lost in sin's captivity in Egypt, and it was dark, and it was imprisoned, and we deserved it. But when God sent His Son, He parted that Red Sea for us. He lit up the night sky so we could find our way. He provided the water of refreshing of the Holy Spirit that we needed. He provided the manna, the fresh bread of life to give us abundance, and He made us the path. He says, I made a pathway through the wilderness all the way to the promise of God. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you want to get to the promises of God, it's only in Jesus. It's only in Jesus. Look what he says. Go one chapter over in verse 49. Chapter 49, verse 9. He says really what this Savior, he says, you guys have been sinking. You've been trying to do it your own way. You've been so stubborn. You keep jumping in the 10-foot section of that pool without a life jacket. You think you can do it on your own? Well, I've let you sink this time. He says, but I'm waiting for you to cry out to me. He says, when you cry out to me, my lifeguard has left heaven. He is on the way there. He is, I'm a good father. It's for my namesake, not what your name is. It's for my namesake. And he says, here's what he's going to do. Isaiah 49, verse 9. He says, he says to those who are bound, go forth. He says to those who are in darkness, show yourself. Along the roads they feed and their pastures will be on bare heights. He's basically saying, where there isn't no McDonald's, he makes a McDonald's. Okay, come on, somebody. He says, when it doesn't look like there's nothing good going on in your life, Jesus can make it good. When you don't have anything going for you, you've got Jesus going for you. Come on, somebody, say amen. amen. He says, they'll not hunger nor thirst, nor they will be scorching heat or sun strike them down. For he who has what? Compassion on them will lead them and guide them to springs of water. I'll make my mountains a road. My highways will be raised up. Jesus provides your way of escape. That God is compassionate on the condition of our souls. Despite the consequences of our action, despite we did it to ourselves, God is compassionate for His name's sake. For His name's sake, our sins have been forgiven in Christ. But will we listen? Let me give you three things that you've got to, as we close this out. We deserve these consequences, but God's been compassionate. We've got to confess a few things here before we live. So how do, how, Pastor Heath, how do I live in this? How do I live free? How do I live abundant? How do I have the peace flowing like a river? Pastor Heath, how do I have the, the waves of righteousness crashing over me? How do I walk in the ways that profit me? How do I do this? Number one is this. You've got to confess utter dependency on God. That's the first one. Three confessions you've got to make. Number one, you've got to confess utter dependency on God. That God wants you to get to a place in your life where you say, God, I cannot do this apart from you. I know there is nothing good in me that is in my old sinful nature. God, that if I jump into this water, God, it is not sink or swim. It's just sink. Lord, my life, I can't do this life without you. God, there is nothing I can do. I can't even breathe without you. See, I needed Jesus to rescue me from the bottom of that pool 
pool and rescue me and pull me up into new life. Pull me from the darkness of the abyss. Set my feet on solid ground and then rescue breath inside me that Holy Spirit and new life had to come into my life for me to live. How many people know you're not going to live without the Holy Spirit breath inside of you? He says, I need to have dependency on God. Say, God, I'm sorry. I love what one author says. He says, God doesn't want to just save you from your suffering. He wants to save you from your sin. Otherwise, he doesn't want to just save you from all the consequences. He wants to save you from the condition of your soul. You see, I want to be changed. I don't want to be like that little kid that can think he can do it on his own. I want to know that, yes, my God is watching me. My God is my safety net, that my Father is right there with me every step of the way. Number one, you've got to confess your dependency on Him. In Heath Harris, there is nothing good. I don't care how many sermons I preach, how many prayers I pray, how many thousands of dollars I can give the world missions. I don't care how many cuss words I don't say, how many drops of alcohol I don't drink. I don't care who I'm with or not with. It is not about what I do or don't do. It is for His glory alone. Christ alone. You see, I can't stand on my own two feet. I am helpless and I am hopeless apart from Jesus Christ. I am dependent only on Him. Number two, you have to confess that He's God and He's good. That means that He's worthy. There are places in my life where you get into those routines where you just keep getting to the old behavior of thinking, old behavior of feeling, old behavior of doing. And you're like, man, I messed up again. Man, I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thought that. I shouldn't have did that. I shouldn't have looked at that. I shouldn't have watched that. And I, maybe I should have done something that I didn't do. And you get and say, God, how can you forgive me again? And you get to this guilty place where you don't even want to go pray anymore. You don't even want to go to church. You think I'm unworthy. How can God save me? And ultimately what you're saying is that God is not good enough. It's ultimately pride. It's ultimately you're, you're not in belief or have faith of the endless mercy and amazing love of God. You say, God can't be that good. He can't love me that much. There's no way he can continue to save me. But don't you understand it's for his glory and his namesake, even though I jump in the pool on my own and I deserved it, because he's good, he still will save me. Because he's compassionate. He's compassionate. You see, we all often have been raised in religion, and religion cheapens grace. It says you must do something to help God out here. You must be kind of good, you must be kind of moral. You must, no, utter depravity without God. I'm nothing apart from Him. There is nothing I can do to make God love me more. All I can do is cry out and say, Lord, save me. I'm sinking. I need you and only God alone. So confess. You say, well, Pastor, I just don't feel good enough. That's right. We're not, but He is. He is that Good. Say, Lord, how can you forgive me again? It's because I am that good. Lamentations, the Lord's loving kindness, indeed, it never ceases. His compassion, it never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Confess dependency on him. Confess that he is God and he is good. And number three is this. Confess what he's already accomplished in Christ. You have to read this last verse of Isaiah 48, verse 20. 
Let's look there in your Bible, because you've got to confess what He's going to do and what He's already done. He says in verse 20, to a people who are still in captivity, He says, I know what you've done. You're in your own consequences. You made your bed, you're sleeping in it. We've heard that same phrase before, right? He says, but because you cried out to me, I am compassionate on your condition for my name's sake. So here's what I do. I'm going to save you. And I've already done it so in the heavenly places. And he says in verse 20, So go forth from Babylon, free, flee from the Chaldeans, declare with the sound of joyful shouting, proclaim this, send it out to the end of the earth, say, the Lord has redeemed His servant Jacob. What is he saying there? He says, even though you're in captivity to your own conditions, that when you confess Jesus Christ, you can come out shouting. Somebody say amen. Even if you are captive to your own conditions, if you confess your utter dependency on Him, if you believe that God is that good, that His amazing grace is sufficient for you, even if you are still fighting the struggle today and it seems like the enemy is still all around you and darkness is all around, you know by faith God has already saved you, that you can say, yes, I am the redeemed. What does the Bible say? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? To claim it for your life. You say, man, I am, I know I'm fighting addiction and I keep fighting addiction over and over again. But Lord, I confess utter dependency on you. I can't break this without you. So I claim dependency. Two, Lord, I know that you're that good and even though everybody else has turned their back on me, God, you've never turned your back on me. You will rescue me. And so now I claim I am the redeemed. Yes, God, I am victorious over this addiction. God, I am free over negativity or gossip. Yes, I'm free over this pattern of thinking. God, yes, I'm free over this pattern of feeling. God, I don't have to behave that way anymore. I claim my joyful shouting right now. I confess Jesus Christ is bigger than sin. Jesus Christ is bigger than addiction. Jesus Christ is bigger than a sickness. Jesus Christ is bigger than all these things because all I've got to do in the middle of the deep pit of the abyss when I've made my own bed and I'm sleeping in it that I just cry out, Jesus, save me, then I know he's coming. I know he's coming. That's what the Bible says. And while I'm waiting on his hand to grab me, I know my daddy, he's coming. You see, in this life, just like in that wilderness moment, they're leading with Moses. They're waiting for the promised land. God says, if you just listen to me, I'll get you there. You see, along this journey, it may not be, it may be bumpy. There may be ups and downs. Enemies may come and go. You may go through some wandering in your life, but you know you're going to make it if you're going with Jesus. If you're going with Jesus. Israel had not yet been delivered, but God said, I want you to start shouting ahead of time. Can you imagine all the Babylonians there? They got them in their city gates. They're making them be slaves and servants. And finally, those Israelites get to a point. They say, you know what? We don't have to live this way anymore. We don't have to live this way anymore. So right now, we confess our dependency on God. Right now, we know that God is a good Father, and He is compassionate, and He promised Moses a long time ago that if we cry out to Him, He will deliver us. So you just think about this. It's like uh, that uh, Cinderella. Man, they're just singing songs in the middle of sweeping out the chimney. They're singing songs while they're baking these masters' bread. Man, they're in the prisons, and they're just worshiping. Why? Because they know God is coming. 
How many people know Jesus is coming? And if He's coming, you can worship like heaven's already here. You can worship like you're already delivered until He comes. And sometimes we live in a place where we don't live in the full victory of our, what Christ has done and is going to do. We confess our dependency. We confess that God is good. But we don't confess the victory over our life. Confess dependency. Confess that He's good. And confess what He's accomplished in Jesus Christ. That He is compassionate despite our consequences. He is compassionate on our condition. He knows that we are just dust. He's gracious anyway. Are you captive to consequences today? Is your life profiting? Do you feel defeated? Are you living with pains of regret? Do you want peace like a river? Mm. Do you want the refreshing, crashing waves of the Holy Spirit like the water on a seashore just to be yours every day? It's righteousness and righteousness and righteousness and peace and peace. He says, that's what I want for you. I want to teach you how to prosper in my spirit. I want to show you the way of abundant life. All you've got to do today is confess Christ. It's for His glory and our good. For His namesake, He's compassionate on our condition. Amen? Worship team, would you come? Every head bowed, every eye closed. and Let's respond today. What is the Holy Spirit speaking to you? For God's namesake, for His own goodness, because He's good, He saves us. Not one person in this room can stand on their own two feet apart from Jesus Christ. Not one person in here is good enough to make it on their own. No work of your own self, no good works of your own self can ever make you good enough or worthy for God to save you or to even keep you saved. It's simply every day. Jesus, I trust in your goodness alone. Jesus, I don't feel good. I don't feel good enough. I don't feel worthy. God, I've done things I'm not proud of. Lord, I keep doing things I'm not proud of. But God, I believe you're more good than I even know. God, I believe you're more merciful than I even can comprehend. God, I can't believe. It's hard to even imagine your endless love for us, your children. And so, Lord, I am humbled. It is the righteousness of God that leads us ultimately to repentance. It's how compassionate He is. His compassion fails not. It's because I am so amazed that God could love a sinner like me. It makes me want to believe in Him. It makes me want to obey Him. It makes me want to listen. You see, grace is a better winner of your heart than legalism. Grace is a better winner of your heart. Amen. I'm motivated more by grace than I am by religious works. I, don't, I can't earn it. I can never be good enough. I fail over and over again. But God keeps saving me. God keeps compassion on me. Lord, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, your amazing grace. You're here today and you say, Pastor Heath, I need to get into that love with God. I need. I need